0: This is Inside Berkeley, and I'm Michael Keith Feldman. With us today is jazz composer, trumpeter, and educator Jason Palmer, assistant professor of brass and ensembles at Berkeley. Palmer is soon to perform with a Berkeley septet at the Newport Jazz Festival and Toronto Jazz Festival, and many weekends you can see him leading the house band at Wally's in Boston. One of the most in demand trumpeters out there, he has performed with Herbie Hancock, Roy Haynes, Ravi Coltrane, Mark Turner, plus Wynton Marsalis in the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra, just to name a few. Palmer also co-starred as Guy in director Damien Chazelle's film Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench, a precursor to his Oscar-winning blockbuster La La Land. Jason, thanks very much for joining us today.
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me, Michael.
0: So I should mention that... Uh, Two of your albums, Take a Little Trip, and your uh, 2014 release, Places, both received four stars from Downbeat. And uh, as a Steeplechase Records recording artist, your latest release is Beauty and Numbers, uh, the Sudoku Suite. So this is a quartet release with the Berkeley alumnus Lee Fish on drums, Mike Moreno on guitar, and Edward Perez on bass. Uh, can you tell us a, a bit about how a numbers game like Sudoku came to inform your
1: latest release? Oh wow! Well, you want the long version of the short version? I'll <laughs> give you the medium version. All right. Um, well, I'm well. You know, in in the old Roman era, there were no there was no word for music. It was called numbers in motion. So you know, numbers and music I think are directly connected. Um, and I, I got into Sudoku in the early two thousands, and I initially thought, you know, how could I write some music based on a Sudoku game? And so. On my birthday back in 2006, <clears throat> I put together a, um, a, a schematic of rules in order to write a, a piece of music uh, based on a Sudoku game that was in the Boston Metro on the day of my birthday. And so I started, I began to write it, and then I came up to some writer's block, and I said, oh, you know, I'm just going to put it aside and and um, see if I can come back to it. And so then I got a call from Dave Douglas, who's a great trumpet player. And I think he's an alumnus of here as well. And he was putting together a festival called the Festival of New Trumpet Music uh, later that year. And he asked me if I'd want to um, complete a commission. Uh, com- he wanted to commission a piece for me um, to premiere at the festival later that fall. And so I said, OK, sure. I had started something a few, you know, a few months ago. And so I said, yeah, sure. And that gave me the initiative to, you know, get back into it. And so then I Start to really get into it, and I completed it, and, yeah. Nice. It went from there.
0: So listeners who aren't looking at the album right now won't know this, but the album's songs appear in an order that actually forms a complete sentence, which is, Obsessive-Compulsive Disorder is now under control thanks to the guidance of fun and games, so if you would, allow me to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. So did yep. you? So did you go into this process... With this idea of a of a track listing that forms a statement, or did that happen during the recording process? That idea came out.
1: Um, no, it was uh, it was unpremeditated. I, I wrote the piece out as a form of I don't know. It, it was a form of therapy for me because at the time I was so obsessed with numbers. I, like I was telling you um, a few days ago, I'd walk down the street and I'd add up all the numbers on the license plate along an entire block. You know. And so it kind of took me out of the moment of noticing the beauty that was around me. And so I put all of that energy that I would use to do that into writing this music. And you, you recorded
0: the whole thing in five hours, is that correct? Did yeah, I?
1: yeah, we tracked everything. Uh, no rehearsal with that band. The uh, drummer Lee Fish had played the music before. And so we had uh, premiered it in New York back in 2007 at the Font Festival. And for this particular recording, um, what I did is I took the bootlegs from playing it at Wally's and playing it at the Standard. We premiered at Jazz Standard, and I sent those to Mike and Edward so they can listen to it. And so they practiced it and everything. And so we got in the studio and we just ran takes. You know, we didn't take too, too many takes of each tune. And so we put everything together. And the, the, the real challenge for that particular project was that I initially wrote it for a quintet. And there was going to be another horn player, but um, we only did a quartet, so I had to reduce some, some parts. And it, was, it came out fine. So, Yeah, I'd say f- fine is an understatement. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So let's, let's listen to
0: some of that. Uh, w- since we've been talking about it, this is uh, a track from Jason Palmer's Beauty and Numbers. Let's listen to Disorder. order from beauty and numbers and I understand you were just recording a new album in New York yesterday so can you tell us a little bit about what's up next
1: oh yeah um I just did a record for Nouvelle records It's a fairly new record label and they only release on LP and it's a it's a subscription based label so when you subscribe to the label you get all the records that they record for that season and they have, this is the third season, this new record's going to come out in the third season, and what I did is I took uh, nine ballads, I wrote two originals, one's a Contrafact uh, tune based on another tune, and what I did is they're all ballads, and we didn't necessarily play them the way a ballad is normally played, so I took different rhythms from different sources and combined them with um, these ballads and uh, a few of them are kind of standardish ballads like uh, Moonlight Becomes You and Old Folks so we took some old tunes and kind of repurposed them uh, with the rhythm section of uh, I use Leo Genovese he's a alumnus here and Kendra Scott he's also an alumnus here alumni and Joe Martin bassist Joe Martin so it was a quartet date and hopefully it'll come out either later this year or early next year so Right. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. Yeah, to it. it's my first time recording strictly directly to LP, and so it had to be 40 minutes of music, and I had to keep everything really short. So it wasn't a session where you can, you know, you can just play however you feel. You have to really um, have everything organized and packaged up.
0: Beauty in numbers it, and structure, yeah, structure it, in it numbers exactly, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Uh, well, we we'll look forward to
0: that. So going from from the future to the past a little bit. Uh, over the past five years, you've released a couple albums honoring um, some singers that I gather you admire. Uh, first, Minnie Riperton with Take a Little Trip, and then Janelle Monae with Wonderland. Um, what drew you to reimagine the works of those particular singer-songwriters in a, in a new musical context?
1: Um, well, what first attracted me to them is uh, just the, the, the structure and the substance of their um, music, you know their their body of work of uh, with many. I, th- I think I first got introduced to her through listening to Tribe Paul Quest because her music was uh, sampled mm-hmm. in uh, one of one of uh, their records, Midnight Marauders. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and so there's a really cool song that she wrote. And I don't know if she wrote it, but she performed it called Inside My Love, and she has this really high high uh, note that she holds out and. Trap Called Quest, they sampled that, and then I said, "Oh, wow, that's a, that's man, I got to listen to the original." And then that introduced me to all of her other works, and then I realized where Mariah Carey came from from listening to many. Right, and so that "Loving You" note, yeah, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. note
0: not too many people can hit <laughs> exactly.
1: She had a whistle range and, and 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 just the 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 variety of harmonic structures, and uh, it was really, really a attractive to me to my ears and I figured you know maybe I can um what I did with with that record and what I did with the one uh, the Janelle Janelle Monáe record is I, I extracted their melodies and then I reharmonized them and I put them in different time signatures and and I came up with uh, vehicles for improvisation so that's essentially what those two records are I just took those melodies to those songs repurposed them and, and gave them structures for improvisation for the band that that I worked with
0: so uh, you'll be playing the Toronto Jazz Festival on June 30th and the Newport Jazz Festival on August 5th, right? hmm So who are you playing with in those settings, and, and what can festival attendees expect from you and the group?
1: Um, well, I'm taking a Berkeley group out to Toronto. We're also going to be uh, teaching at uh, a school there. We're going to be working with some uh, students. We're going to be there for, I think, about three days. And the group that I'm bringing, we're going to be presenting a few we actually might play a few tunes off of uh off of places and uh there's a pianist in the group her name's Domi Gal. she brought she's bringing in a in a, an arrangement of giant steps that's really really intriguing and it's it's quite we're going to have to have some rehearsals to really really get that one tight and it's actually called giant steps searing tight that's her thing that's uh the name of, of that composition so she's going to bring that in And we're also going to play an original by our guitarist. We have two guitarists, one uh, guy's name is Zach Auslander. He wrote a really cool tune, so we're going to premiere that and probably another original. Um, So we're going to put together a set of music of their originals and my originals and and mix it up. We're also going to host a jam session um, in Toronto, um, I think the last night that we're there. And... um, at Newport, I'm going to be there with them, and the day before, I'm going to be there with a pianist out of New York. Well, he's originally out of Philly. His name's George Burton. Um, so I'm kind of doing double duty. So I'll play there in the morning, come back here to Boston, play Wally's that night, and then next day, i to come back down and bring the Berkeley group. Wow, that that's so, a so that vis- should be fun, yeah.
0: Busy schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, what's well, something to look out for if you're heading to the Toronto Jazz Festival or Newport or or if you're in Boston at Wally's. So uh, so speaking of which, you know, you often lead your own group, but you've also played a supporting role for a couple well-known Berkeley saxophonists, uh, alumna Grace Kelly, former professor Greg Osby, among others. Uh, I'm wondering what you learned as a supporting performer that informs what you do as a band leader.
1: Oh, gee, so much. Um, I, I joined Greg Osby's band back in uh, two, late 2002, and it was my first real touring experience. I was in his band for a couple of years. We played in Europe a lot. And, you know, performance-wise, with him, I learned about the idea of contrasting what he's playing in, in terms of improvisation because there was a lot of group improvisation in that band. And so he'd tell me, okay, if I'm going to be playing in high register, you need to play in the low register. If I'm playing a lot of notes, you need to play a few notes. You know, if I'm going to do this, you do this, you know and not try to match him, just try to compliment him in that way. And and that's a real challenge on trumpet. You know, I never really thought of a trumpet player playing that role. Um, so I learned that with him and also learned how to survive on the road with Greg Osby, you know, how to, you know, take some food from the green room, you know, if, if you're not going to be able to have time to go and grab, you know, something for breakfast in the hotel the next morning if you got a really early call, you know, just those little tiny survival tricks. Um, and with Grace, you know, I just—I uh, mean, she's a she's a beacon of light. You know, she's a um, she really taught me, well, teaches me how to really have fun on stage. It's all you always have to have fun, and and that has to be portrayed and 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 shown to the audience, and and that's a really valuable uh, trait that to have. So you know, having fun on the stage, you've also
0: had fun on the screen. I mentioned at the top your role in. Guy and Madeline uh, on a Park Bench, which was, for those who don't know, basically the black and white sort of film noir precursor to what became La La Land. And Damien Chazelle, who won the Best Director Oscar for that, for La La Land, has talked about how watching musicians in Boston inspired him. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about filming it and, and in having the role of Guy. And, and also there's one point in the movie where your, your character uh, references Clifford Brown. And I was wondering if that was a scripted thing or if that's uh, actually one of your influences that you kind of just brought out as part of that.
1: Oh, it was all true. There was no script in that movie. I didn't see a script or a plot or anything. It was all improvised. Um, wow. So what he did is he, uh, Damien is a drummer, and initially he wanted a drummer in that lead role. So he went down to Wally's one day, <clears throat> one night, and he was going to see if we could find someone who would want to play the part. It's a mumblecore film, uh, from what I understand. It's a... A, a certain genre of, mu- of uh, movies that uh, involve actors who've never acted and so-so mm. improvised plots and scripts. So.
0: so you've been a really active advocate for, for keeping the jazz scene alive and thriving both in Boston uh, with your uh, two decades now at Wally's, is mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um, and around the world, uh, all over the world. Um, so I'm wondering what, what are the most important torches or, or messages that that you try to pass to your students here at Berkeley?
1: Um, well, I just, you know, I think one of the biggest things in terms of, it, especially if you want to have a career in performing, is to to understand the uh, the the idea of of no, and no being something that you're going to hear a lot, and just being understanding that. If you get some kind of rejection, that doesn't mean that it's, it's not so much on you. It's just that you can't depend on that assistance at that time from that source. You know, so you just have to keep steady. And, and most successful careers in this art form are like slow, steady inclines. You know, there's it's never no overnight success. There's very few. I can count them on one hand. Um... And even if you do think someone's overnight success usually there's a lot lot of stuff, you know, in the background. Um, and and also just really stay aware of all the resources that are available. Um, I think here in Massachusetts, um, if you're not a student, once you graduate, you become eligible for like a lot of grants and things. I just received a uh fellowship from the Mass Cultural Council for um composition. And um and that's from know submitting some of my compositions and so um, those kind of things are around you just have to really know that they're there. Congratulations. Oh thanks thanks Um, and there are organizations that help you get um, become aware of those things. Uh, In in Boston we have Jazz Boston. It's a great organization that's been around for about over a decade now Um, and they have a really really resourceful website that has a bunch of uh, information about those kind of things And, and and also just networking, you know, especially students here at Berkeley. The musicians that you're playing with now are musicians you're going to, you know, play with for life. You know, I'm I'm still playing with people that I went to school with, and people that they went to school with. So, the community's uh, closer than you think. There aren't many degrees of separation. Um, so, just remain remain in the game long enough, and you'll get to play. You know, I always say that. You know, and you you have to. Uh, really really um love it to 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 really um stay stay strong in in that because you want to hear no a lot I mean for all the successes I've had I've had plenty of rejections you know so I mean I've done so many odd jobs I was an orderly for 3 years I did temp work yeah so, yeah. so just stay stay in it yeah,
0: that sounds like really mm-hmm. good advice yeah uh, Jason Palmer, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh,
1: thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure. Likewise.
0: Once again, you can catch Jason Palmer's Berkeley Septet at the Toronto Jazz Festival on June 30th, and at the Newport Jazz Festival on August 5th. This episode was engineered by Brian Roger Ottenham in partnership with Tony Brown and the Burn. I'm Michael Keith Feldman, and thanks for listening to Inside Berkeley.